0: If you're visiting today for the first time, we want to say welcome. Matthew chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them up. Fantastic part. We're in the second part of this series called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Don't worry, be happy. I just want to just cast your mind back a little bit to maybe uh, maybe year 3. What would you use to call that? I don't know. Primer. Standard, well, let's go standard 1 in the old language. What is that equivalent to these days, Ellie? Year So thank you, standard two. So go way back there. And I want to ask you a question. Can you remember, I can, your first broken heart? Mine goes back to then, when my girlfriend dumped me. (laughs) And she was the very girlfriend I prayed furiously that I could marry one day. (laughs) Oh, thank God that never happened. (laughs) Oh, thank you that you didn't answer that prayer the way I wanted that one. But it was eight years old, and it was puppy love. You remember those days? Yeah. It was amazing. But if only all heartbreaks were as simple as it was back then. Year two, year three. The fact is, friends, as we get older, life gets more complex, and life gets tough. And there's a lot more difficulties that we have to overcome than an eight-year-old. Now, friends, listen carefully. The Bible does not explain all suffering. It doesn't do that. But it does teach you and I how to handle suffering as we go through it. And we're in this series called The Beatitudes. And it's Jesus' eight secrets to happiness. Because he starts every one of those eight in Matthew 5 with happy, blessed, to be envied. That's how he says. Blessed equals happy. We looked at that last week. And last week we looked at how to be happy in spite of our circumstances. And remember we said, if we have to wait till all our circumstances are perfect, and squared off till we're happy, we'll never be happy. So Jesus is teaching us in these Beatitudes how to be happy in spite of our external circumstances and have the sun shining on the inside. That's what he was talking about. And today we're going to pick up the second. And again, now you've had a chance to find it, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. He says this, Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, the question is, how can I be happy again after a big hit? A king hit. Nearly KOD, straight out. How can I be happy again after a huge loss? After a devastated heartbreak, often associated with a relationship? Loss, or when that person just walked out the door to never come back. Or when that person betrayed you. You didn't even see it coming. How can you do that? Well, the answer is the only answer I know of, because I know how some of that feels. So I'm not talking about somebody who's arrived here. I'm just talking about as a fellow pilgrim on the journey of life who knows what it is to have a devastating loss how do you make that through? well I know how I made it through, I know how the Bible says to make it through that's what I can tell you the Bible says the way you make it through that is by experiencing, not just head knowledge, by actually experiencing for yourself God's comfort you can access that, it will give you sanity, and it will see you through. If you can't, the world is very cold, very hard, and very fractured. So, how, to ex- how do you... Ex- okay, okay, you can accept that. So, how do I experience God's comfort? Tell me practically, how do we do this? I accept the intellectual answer, but how do I do this? Three steps we're going to look at today from the scriptures. Number one, and it starts with this. Realize that God is with me. With me. When we are hurting, the reason why this is number one is we tend to forget where God is. When we're hurting, God can seem distant and afar off. He can seem unreachable. That's how he can seem. But the truth is, that is totally wrong. Totally wrong. This is where the Bible says, be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says here in Psalm 34, here, so that's a feeling I want you to take that feeling and over the top overlay this verse on it. Some of you want to cut this verse out. The verse says this, The Lord is close, that's the truth, to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That is the truth. The other is a lie. Replace the lies with the truth of God. The Lord is close to the broken heart. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now today, in a crowd like this, I know, odds on, because you, your heart's beating, some of you are right now in deep pain. But I want you to also know that God is with you. That's the truth. God is with you. When you're in pain, if this is you today, and if it's not you today, you may want to take some notes because odds on you'll have some pain in the future. You need to do three things when you're in this pain. Number one, you need to realize and remember that God is aware of your pain, He is very much aware. The Bible says it here God is aware. You, God, keep a close watch. On all of my paths, you keep a close watch. He knows, he knows exactly what side of the bed you got out of this morning. (laughs) He knows exactly which way you came to church. He knows exactly which clothes you would choose to wear this morning. He knows all that. So he's aware, God is watching over you, that verse says. And nothing escapes his eyes. He is omniscient, he is all-knowing. The Bible even says this, it is so much, so you know, you know the verse very well about the hairs on your head being numbered, but you also know that he says that he counts every tear that you shed. every tear. Nothing escapes his attention. Sometimes you say, well, no one knows what I am going through. I know you feel that. But I also want to declare to you on the authority of the word of God, God knows. If nobody else does, he does. He feels when you feel that horrible knot in your stomach. And that terrible, crushing disappointment when you learn that you're fired. Or like you're one of the main zeal contractors, and you're gone. And you've got no income protection, and your house is on the line, that's got implications for your family, blah, 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 blah. And your whole world can be thrown in upside down. But God does know, and he is aware. You, God, keep a close watch on all of my paths. Number two, the second thing you need to remember as you're going along through this, is that God does care. The Bible says here, God cares. The Lord is good. A refuge, now notice that, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. He cares for those who trust in him. That's from Nahum. It's one of those short prophets. By the way, please make sure you read the book of Nahum sometime because it'll be mighty embarrassing when you get to heaven. And he goes, hey, how do you enjoy my book? You go, "Uh, what book? The one I wrote for you. Make sure you check him out. You see, we have a sympathetic heavenly father who loves and he cares for you. And your pain matters to God. And you can talk to him about that hurt. And you can unload to him that hurt. Because he cares. The third thing you need to remember as you're going through that pain is God wants to help you through that pain. He wants to help me through that pain. Now the Bible says here, let us approach God with confidence. Notice, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. There it is. There's the grace to help us in our time of need. He wants to help us graciously in our time of need. So when you lack the power to go on, what do you do? Well, God offers you more than just being aware of the problem and the hurt, more than just, well, I'm thinking of you. He offers assistance. He offers reinforcement to help you through that. Now, some people grow through their pain, while others get stuck in their pain. And sometimes it's for years people get stuck in their pain. Why? Because they never go on to the second step. So the first step was realize that God is with me, that he cares, that he is aware, and he wants to help. So how do you then get unstuck? Friends, you're going to meet people in your lives who are stuck. And one of the most loving things you can do is to help them become unstuck. Because nobody wants to get stuck. So how do you do that, number? Step two is you release the hurt. You need to release that hurt. You've only really got four options when you deal with hurt. You really only have four logical options. Number one is to repress that hurt. And that means you kind of just stuff it down. That didn't happen. It's not going to affect me. What i found to be true, and interestingly this morning, I just happened to be reading in the Lancet Medical Journal, science is now completely agreeing. Just another another one, again, that says that if we start to... uh, Internalize deep suffering and and mourning and pain and grief, and not express it. It has physiological. It does physiological damage to us. Heart rate. There's a whole string of reactions that happen. It is not good for you. And by the way, when your immune system is depleted, you are much more open to, to be frank, to attacks from other pathologies, which can get you. You often notice there's a direct correlation sometimes between stress and cancer. Yeah, even of those who study that stuff know that. So don't internalize it. Don't just repress it. You know, it's like you know, holding it in it is unhealthy. Your stomach keeps score. Your body keeps score. That is one option. I just stuff it. Number two is you rehearse it. That's another option. You go over and over and over it in your mind. And you torture yourself by reliving that situation over and over. And you dwell in it, and it consumes your thoughts. You get up, it's there. You get to bed, it's there. You in the day, it pops into your head. So don't dwell in it. Don't let it consume your thoughts. Now, there's a big difference, though, friends. Let me be clear. Between mourning, M-O-U-R-I-N-G, and moaning, M-O-A-I-N-G. A very big difference. Mourning, M-O-U-R-I-N-G, is very legitimate. It's legitimate grief. Legitimate grief. That's okay. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, I will comfort them. God wants to comfort you in your grief. That's what he says. But moaning... M-O-A-I-N-G is, oh, poor me. And you won't let go of it. You keep holding on to that attitude. Day after day, week after week, month after month, and God forbid, year after year. You're having a long pity party. God says, you don't repress it. And then you don't rehearse it. The third option you can get is, I just resent it. And you start to imagine paying those people back for what I did to us or to a loved one. Now friends, let me be real clear about this one. Resentment destroys you. That is like taking a shotgun. Normally you point it this way. Let's swizzle that around so the butt's out your way. And the barrels are my way and pulling the trigger think I'm gonna hurt you with a bat. And in German we'd say dump off. That didn't even hurt me, it didn't even reach me, and I'm hurting me. They could be having a the barbecue. <laughs> they didn't even know you're spewing and stewing, and they're getting on with their life. What are you doing? You are hurting yourself with that resentment. The Bible says that you forgive people because God said to do it and for your sake. Nothing to do with whether they deserve it. Jesus is very clear about that. Resentment will eat you up like a cancer. And Jesus says, don't do that. So what is the fourth option? And the one that Jesus tells us to do for our health so we can be healed. Number four is you release it. You let it go. But how do I let it go? I'll tell you how. Now Take a careful note of this. I must stop focusing on what I have lost. And I must start focusing on what I have left. That's how you do it. You stop focusing on what you have lost. And you start focusing on what you have left. That's how you get over that. The Bible even says, the similar sort of principle, it says, do not dwell on the past. Do not dwell on that past. See, I am doing a new thing. See, if you're focusing on the past, you cannot win a race running backwards, looking backwards. You're going to trip up. Boom. The past is your past. Learn from it. Remember, you are a product of your past, but you are not a prisoner of your past. Release it. The past is the past; it cannot be changed. And here's the deal: when it comes to, you need to let God settle the score. Some of you probably know I'm a, and it's quite strange in one sense, but this pastor is quite a competitive pastor, <laughs> and that's good in some areas. But sometimes I have been tempted when a particular individual not even in this country I'm thinking about, has done something that I knew was wrong, very wrong. And I've been tempted to straighten the situation out a little myself. But the Lord has said to me, you leave him to me. You leave him to me. See, sometimes I think I must settle the score. But who can do a better job, me or God? (laughs) He's got much more mm, leverage on options than I have. Look at this. This That's exactly what the Bible says. Dear friends, never avenge yourself. Hey, 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 hey. Everybody look up here. Did you see that verse? Never avenge yourself. Revenge is not God's will for your life. You leave it to him. That's what it says. Leave that to God. Oh, you so bold in faith. Really? You trust God for your salvation? How about for him to settle the score? Or do you think you're going to pick that one up yourself and go to war yourself? He says, leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. God is a righteous judge. Nothing misses his accounting. Man, aren't you glad that verse is in the Bible? (laughs) I sure am. If you want to let go of your hurt, you must let God settle that score. If somebody has hurt you, let God handle it. And by the way, just as a side note, if you may want to read, you might want to write up there, Psalm 10, which is like the victim's psalm. You know, he's saying, Lord, there are guys out there who are out there hurting the helpless and they're taking advantage of others and they think, I can do whatever I want. That's what their attitude is. Bogshy, arrogant stroppers. But Psalm 10, verse 4 says this But you, O God, do see the hurt and the grief and the pain, and you will call that person into judgment and avenge. The helpless and the victims. God says He'll do that. Now, evil people may escape the law, and unfortunately, our system is far from perfect. But they cannot escape God. They cannot escape him. So, what do I do with my anger? I know for some of my friends, it's the anger has been expressed as their daughter or their husband went out to work for the last time and didn't come back because some drunken driver cleaned them out. Well, some of those mums have got every reason to be angry, but they have turned their anger into something constructive. I'm thinking about MAD, mums against drunken drivers. And they've turned that anger into something constructive so it helps reduce the number of drunken drivers on the road. So if you're mourning or in grief or in hurt, realize that God is with you. He's close to the brokenhearted. And if you're mourning today, if you're hurting today, realize that God is aware, that He cares, and He's there to help you, and give Him the hurt. Release it to Him. You do not have to carry that by yourself. Don't dwell on the past. Don't resent it. Don't rehearse it. Don't repress it. But release it to God, yeah? So, number three, the other thing is to rely on God's resources. Remember blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now people try all sorts of things to relieve grief. They'll try pills. They will try potions. They'll try affairs. My marriage is too painful right now. So they falsely think by leaping out into another relationship, by the way, which rarely work. Odds are horribly stacked, horribly stacked against you. Some people try to medicate their pain through excess TV watching or go into every new movie that comes along to try and anesthetize themselves so they can sort of live in a sort of semi-state of Escapism. All types of things. Some people sleep excessively. Because when they're tired, they don't have to think about that pain. And I understand that. These are just factual ways that people, there's many. But God says, don't do those things because they actually don't work. They don't work at all, they're just distractions that won't last and prevent you from addressing the issues. So how do I be happy in the midst of a trial or a tragedy? Well, we'd sit about receiving God's comfort. And I want to observe there are three comforts that God gives us as we're going through trials and disappointments. Number one. Three comforters that God uses. Number one is God's word. Would you fill your mind with scripture? Why? Because it's the truth. Everything else is a lie. The truth of God, God will never lie. And his truth reflects reality. Reality. That's how the world works. Reality. David said this, I am completely discouraged Anybody who today feels like that, look at this verse. I'm completely discouraged. The Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 25, Revive me by your word. There is no better thing that you can do for your spiritual life, friend, than memorize scripture. Tell you why? Because again, we replace the funky thinking we've got with the truth of God's word. And the more the truth we get, the straighter our heads get. And the more in line our emotions get. Revive me by your word. Your word has been my comfort. How many times when I have been, oh, where'd that one come from? Flattened by something. And somehow as I'm reading God's precious word, somehow, it's as almost, there's a verse that seems to just stand out. Like, is that in bold letters or what? And it seems to apply to my circumstance. I now know God is giving me comfort and strength. Anybody experience that? Can I see your hands if you've experienced that? Please look around. Them. See? This is one of the ways God comforts us. But you must be in the Word, not your head in the movie theater. Or a romance novel. They don't work. They are temporary. Get you hidden in the word of God. Be a student of the word of God. I recommend, friends, if you're in this pain right now, that you read through the Psalms in, living, in the living Bible. The Psalms are written to comfort us. A few weeks back, a person asked me, Pastor, what is the best translation of the Bible? And I said to them, friend, the best translation is when you translate the word of God into your daily life. You are living letters. See, there are over 7,000 promises in God's Bible. Do you know any of them? Are any of them in your head and in your heart? Each week when I stand here before you, I am aware many times, that many of you are facing difficult circumstances and you're actually hiding pain. And you're wondering, what does God say? Does he have a word for me? And many times you'll come and say, Pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life, but it's as if God spoke directly to me today through the word of God. I know he does have a word for you, and it's this. Yes, your pain matters to me. He sees it. He feels it. And he'll help you in that frustration. But you need to look to God's word, not to pills and TV and all those other distractions or gambling to try and anesthetize your pain. You need to become a student of God's word and listen for his words of comfort. Because i tell you what, when they come Oh my goodness, strength returns. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 says this Man shall not live by bread alone, all the stuff that we work and sweat for, but by every word that comes from our Father. When you get a word like that, oh my goodness, strength returns. See, the Bible also says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you hear from God about your circumstance, then you can go the distance. You can finish the race. The second source of God's comfort are God's people. God's people. God made us to need each other. We are better together, not as islands. You were not designed to face life alone. And if you don't have a family, we are your family. The church is God's family. And you need to be in a family so you can have people to encourage you through the tough times, which we all go through. Now notice this very, very important verse. Paul says this, The God of all comfort... Notice the source. The God of all comfort comforts us in all our troubles. So that, so that what? We can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So today, if you are hurting, first point, you are not alone. There are others sitting in this room who have had exactly the same type of problem that you are facing. People all around you have gone through this already. Already. What you need to do is open up and share with others the point on which you are hurting. So they can be with you and help you. That, friends, is the value of a small group. When somebody says, for example, like I had a lady last night on the phone to me, she said, Pastor Ian, my world has fallen apart. in one day... My daughter, who I've already taken out of one school and put in a private school to great expense to my husband and I, has just been expelled from that school and fired from her job on the first day. And she was really feeling that. And I was able to say, I know how that feels. I had a son who was expelled from a school. I know how that feels. It's not about, it's about sharing and and, and how we went through that. You're not alone. So when somebody says, hey, I'm having a tough time with my teenager, there are many others here who can say, hey, we know what that's like. Yeah, we know what it's like. For your own sake, you need to be a participator, not just a spectator. And you need to meet some people so that when you go through a crisis, there are people there to help you through the difficult places in life. Now, if you're not hurting, what does this verse say? If you're not hurting right now. It says, remember the pain that you did go through back then. Remember that? Um, a few months ago or a year ago, remember how that felt? If you can, you then need to have an obligation to help others through that. Through that same tough spot. That is your ministry. Because you've been there. And by the way, let me be clear, you don't need to have all the answers. Or even advice. People who are in grief often don't need advice. In fact, don't give them advice until they ask you for it. But, they just need understanding that you've been there too. Like, I know what it's like to go through a divorce. Shattering. Painful. Like, I know what it's like to lose my job or to be fired. It's humiliating. It's, it's earth-shattering. But compared to that, some of you know what it's like to lose a baby. And if you've been through that, and by the grace of Jesus, I've made that through that, that verse tells us it is your responsibility, your ministry, your privilege to help somebody else go through that. Maybe you've missed a major goal or dream and you felt a disappointment or whatever it may be. But there are people sitting here in this room who are going through those experiences right now. And they need your comfort, and they need your help. Because God never wastes a hurt. Whatever's the most embarrassing thing, whatever's the most painful thing in your life, I'm telling you, God will use it, if you're willing. But remember, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about how we can love other people and help them through that, how God can use you. God never wastes a hurt. He wants to use that hurt that you went through to encourage others. Whether you learned anything or not, you can say, I understand. Now finally, the greatest comfort of all, bar none, Personal experience, and as this experience of many of you, is God's Spirit. God Himself wants to be your friend. 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, Jesus walked around in a human form with a beard and sandals. And after the resurrection, He said, I'm going back to heaven physically, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. One of his names and his roles is called the Comforter. The Comforter. He will comfort you more than anything else because sometimes we think, "Oh, stuff will comfort me." No, it won't. It'll just keep you busy with maintenance. Do I hear an amen? Yeah. In fact, I'm at that stage in my life. The less I have, the happier I am. And my wife's into it. We get to that point fast. Constructively, that is. This is my shirt. That's all right. (laughs) Where am I going with that? All right. The third part of uh, the the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. This is a beautiful thing. He says, I will never, ever leave you. I will never forsake you. So what does that mean? I will never be alone again. But I have to want to talk to him. I have to want to have that conversation. So when I committed my life to Jesus Christ, he puts his spirit within us. And he gives us inner strength. You see, and you too can have that same power. And God wants you to have him resident in your life. He doesn't just come uh, for a visit like he used to do in the Old Testament. When the Holy Spirit would come and he would come in the Old Testament on a prophet like Elijah, the spirit would come down on him. And then after he'd done an empowerment for an act or some speech, and then whoosh, he'd be gone like a visitor. Now, in the New Testament, and the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit comes with the luggage. He's here to stay. He unpacks and he ain't going. That's a seal and the guarantee of your salvation. He is a Colossians chapter one, verse twenty seven Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the difference between a religion and intellectual ascent and having a personal relationship with the holy third part of the blessed trinity living within you. God is closer than you think. That's reality. The Bible says, May the God of hope, I love that. That's one of the reasons why we call this church New Hope. Because when Christ comes into your life, you have it. Look at this verse. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, get this, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. I love that. So when God puts the Spirit in your life, your whole outlook and life radiate hope. as a pastor, I walk through with a lot of people through a whole bunch of different grief. Pastors regularly deal with people in pain. People in financial pain. People in relational pain. People in emotional pain or mental pain or marriage pain or parenting pain. My goodness, I see that a lot. The pain of death. I see that. We, pastors, see it all. But one of the acid tests of people's hope, what they're putting their hope in, whether it's real or not, is how did they respond or react at a funeral? To me, it's so sad to watch people without hope trying to cheer each other up at funerals. They have no comfort. Nothing. It's, and I use, I've hardly ever used this word in this church. It's pathetic. When the Bible says Jesus Christ comes into your life, we have a real and a living hope, and our hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. How blessed, how happy we are who know him, not just know about him. And someday, the Bible says there will be no more pain. Oh, God. There will be no more grief or mourning or sadness. Or victims, or tears, or suffering. For those who've put their trust in Jesus Christ. The final verse, which is on your, I uh, noted on your outline, but not out there, it says, "He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away." So between now and when you die. You will face a number of losses, hurts and disappointments and tragedies. The question is, will you have a real and living hope to hold on to and to walk through with it? Who will comfort you? And never leave you alone. See, because even people ultimately have to go. They carry on with their lives. That's why... It is him and him alone. Some of you came here today hurting deeply. You've been confused. You have been frustrated. You've even been angry and discouraged. And I want to say to you that God cares and your pain matters. And he says, I want to help you if you turn to me because blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And that comfort is available in Jesus Christ. Not in pills, not in drinking. I never figured that out about my dad. He thought his answer was truly in drinking after probably squandering, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Comfort is available in Jesus. And if you'll turn to him, you will make it through that pain. As we close, I want to invite you to make three clear commitments. Three. One. If you haven't, would you receive Jesus Christ's spirit into your life? That's the beginning of hope. Without him, there is no hope. Just say, Jesus Christ, would you put your spirit into my life? I don't understand it all, but I realize I'm not making it on my own power. That's me, absolutely. I need Jesus Christ in my life put your spirit in me and give me the strength to be the person that you made me to be and I want to be and would you help me through this pain? Or maybe would you help me for the pain that is going to come next week? But open your life to Christ and say yes. Second commitment I want to ask you to make is this. Would you please find a church family? You're welcome here, but I'm not making a pitch for this church. God has many. We're all one church ultimately at the end of the day. But just find the local expression and get stuck in there. You need to find a church where you feel welcome and you can participate. And if you don't get to know a church family, who's going to be there when you have a crisis? You need their help and they need yours. As Jacques mentioned, why don't you just mention on the communication card some information about a church family or joining a small group, whatever that may be. And then three, would you help others? This is a commitment I want you to clearly make. Would you commit to helping others with their hurt and thereby giving your life away? Realize that if God helped you through a crisis, then he wants you to help others and share that with others, with other people. If you've had kids who've gone off the deep end, yeah, open up and let people know about it. Look, listen, let me, let me put something straight to you. God was a perfect father. Yes. But it occurs to me that had two children who dropped the ball big time. Adam and Eve. And he was perfect. It's nothing, it's, we're not talking about you. We're talking about being honest. The revealing of feeling is the beginning of healing. And if you've had kids who've gone off a deep end, let others know. Because everybody else has got kids here too. And some of them may go off a deep end and they need somebody who knows their pain. Because it can be a wilderness. If you've gone through the pain of a divorce or had a problem with alcohol or you had a failure at work, or you've lost a loved one. If you've lost a loved one, let that be a ministry in your life by encouraging others. Would you commit to that for his sake? Let's pray. Friends, I want you to know today that God cares for you deeply. And the Bible says that he has seen everything that's ever taken place in your life. And he is hurt when you have hurt. Some of the things that happen in your life, we're never going to get an explanation for. This side of heaven. And even when we get to heaven, it probably won't even matter then. Folks, life on earth is not always fair. And God's will is not always done on earth. That's why we're to pray for it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have a choice. And when people make bad choices, sometimes innocent people get hurt. The Bible does tell us how to handle that hurt. So would you right now open your life to Christ? Maybe you have never done that before. and Maybe you've never been to a church in your life, and you may not even be a religious person. That's okay. Just say yes to Jesus Christ. Say it in your mind, because God knows and he hears your thoughts, every thought that's going across your mind right now, and he loves you. Say yes to Jesus. I need your help. I need your hope. I need your healing of my heart in my life. Would you put your power in me, your spirit, and come into my life, forgive my sin? I don't understand it all, but I want you to be number one and to call the shots in my life. To be the Lord or the manager, the CEO, the chairman of the board of my life. One who all the decisions run through. Maybe you say, God, I've hurt and I've held on to that for so long. Would you today please help me let it go? So that I can get on with the future. I want to stop repressing it. I want to start rehearsing it. And I certainly want to stop resenting it. And I want to release it to you today. I want to stop focusing on what I've lost and start focusing on what's left. And then would you take that second part? Would you say in your heart, Jesus Christ today, I'm going to get myself engaged in a family, and a spiritual family, that I can be part of and join that church family, whether that be New Hope or somewhere else. But I'll get to know some people, some group, so those people that can care for me and support me, and I in turn can help others. Would you make that commitment today? And then that final commitment, Would you make that? Will you say, God, I want you to take and use the hurt that I've gone through to help other people? The difficulties, the mistakes, the sins, the dumb things I've done, I know you can use. Those things that I wish had never happened. God, somehow, would you use me to be an encouragement to others and let that be? My ministry, would you pray that Heavenly Father? I'm so thankful for your word that it comforts us in our sorrows. As life isn't always fun and great, but you are always great and always present. We don't know what the next week holds, but we know with you in our lives that we have the strength to be radiant in hope. I know today people are opening their lives to you for the very first time as they're sensing your presence in their lives. Help them not to fear, but to realize how much and how deep your love is for them. Surround them with your arms of love. And let this be a turning point in their life today. We ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And all the people said,